Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. The countdown is on with only a couple of weeks to go until Christmas, and our stress levels are starting to rise in lockstep with the added items on our to-do list. That means it's all the more important to slow down and move with intention through these next few weeks. Thankfully, this week's show can help with that. Since January, the Sacred Space Coaching has been joining what she said to help get us unstuck so that we can step into our power and live full, rich lives. In the final segment of the year, Jennifer John joins me to discuss cultivating an attitude of gratitude and how to leverage that to get unstuck and to enjoy our lives fully. Samantha Krishnapile from On Canada Project is back, and this week we take a look at intersectional feminism. As women's rights are being rolled back around the globe, the need for strong feminist voices is more crucial than ever. But in order to achieve true equality, we must make space for the most marginalized and oppressed groups of women to take center stage. Anne Brody drops in with new entertainment, which includes a look at Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio out on Netflix now, Olivia Coleman in Sam Mendez's doomed seaside romance Empire of Light, and All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Laura Putra's documentary on artist Nan Golden, whose grassroots political activism went after Big Pharma Purdue and the Sackler family that created a chain of drug use that has to date cost more than half a million lives with OxyContin. We all know by now that all-weather or winter tires are a must for Canadian winters. So this year, Tiffany Woodley from Cal Tire is here to discuss our tire pressure, something many of us give very little thought to but definitely should since it has a huge impact on our car's efficiency and, more importantly, safety. The holidays mean an abundance of food is all around us, particularly all those foods we label as naughty. Jose Cormier and Alicia Stafford from Your Way Weight Loss join me to discuss why diets don't work, why we need to shake off our scarcity mindset, and the importance of losing the labels we attach to food so that we can breeze through the holiday buffet table with zero regrets. Finally, Alicia Eichel was told she would never sing again after complications with throat surgery to remove a tumor on her thyroid gland. Alicia said nah and fought all the odds for a miraculous recovery. She joins me today to share her Christmas single, One Wish, and a bit of the story behind it before we play it in its entirety for you. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. quote that says, gratitude and attitude are not challenges, they are choices. It's something we've spent the last year discussing with Denise and Jennifer from The Sacred Space. And if you've been following along, you know that mindset in particular has been a big part of this journey. So today, in our final interview of the year with Jennifer John from The Sacred Space, we're going to focus solely on gratitude as we all prepare for 2023. Welcome back, Jennifer. Thank you, Candace, for having me. Nice to see you again. I did a little whoop whoop when I saw the uh, notes come through for today's show. Um, you know, just from a personal perspective, I had a very challenging year. And I can say without a doubt that uh, gratitude and mindset has helped me get through. And that's largely due to you guys that you've been on the show. And, uh, you know, I've got to benefit from that. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So where would you like to jump off? You know, that's wonderful to hear. You know, gratitude, it, it, it's something that seems so simple, very simple concept, but it is so challenging, um, especially, you know, the last year that we've had. Um, although, you know, this past year has been almost sort of like the light of hope over the past two years of going through the whole pandemic and whatnot, it still, you know, had remnants of challenges through it. And so just focusing on gratitude um, as we look ahead to a 2023, because you know, everyone you speak to, everyone, you know, you interact with, they, you know, everyone is hoping that 2023 will far exceed 2022. 
right? They want to come out stronger and better and healthier, happier. And so one of the the ways of doing that is actually, you know, rethinking gratitude and how to implement that so that we can have an even greater 2023. Yeah, you know, I think for me, I, I was very, very low around this time last year. And it was hard because when you're in that mindset and you're low, it is hard to see positivity. It is hard to embrace gratitude. So for me, it was just tiny little shifts of at least making a point of highlighting one little thing I could be grateful for in each day. It created a snowball and it's just kept going. So this year's so much different than last. So what are your tips for sort of shifting mindset towards gratitude? You know, it, it, it starts with awareness. I know that was, that was a big topic for us for 2022 is awareness because with awareness comes that shifting of a mindset, right? And for you to be able to do that successfully, you have to be able to open up yourself to different perspectives and open up yourself to something new. And with that comes that awareness of what is it that you're trying to achieve? What is it that you're hoping to experience? And as you do that, as you said, you know, one little thing, one step at a time. And for some, gratitude is going to be challenging. It is because depending on your experiences, depending on the challenges that you've had, it may be even more difficult for you to look for, you know, the diamond in the rough, to look for those moments of, of, of happiness and of, that you can be thankful for. But if you start off very small, if you start off with the, you know, what do you actually have in your life that you can actually be thankful for? Start and use that as a starting point. And from there, as you said, you start to gain momentum because when you start to find one thing that you're, you're thankful and grateful for, you often to find two, a second thing, a third thing. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you, you, you start to feel that contentment that, you know what, life is not so bad for, at this moment. There are things, yes, I've gone through challenges and yes, there've been things that, you know, I found difficult, but there were also things that, you know, added to my happiness, added to my overall contentment you know, made my life better or in some way, shape or form or made me experience something that brought me joy. Yeah. And, and that kind of takes me to my next point because, you know, it's funny. I was, I was with some friends on the weekend and somebody said, you know, I hadn't seen them in a while. I said, how are you doing? And I, I had to pause. And it was only when I looked back and sort of reflected on the last year that I realized how far I had come. And so let's talk about reflection a little bit. What does that look like as we head into the new year? What should we be looking for? You know, with reflection, you take time, moments, moments to yourself where you actually look back and look through the different experiences you've had. Look through the relationships you have, the good people in your life, the people that add value to you, the people that make you feel good, you know, that, that enrich the experiences you've, you've had. You know, look for the good things. And as you're doing that, you know, you're sifting through, taking time to sift through those moments, sift through those experiences. You'll find places where it's like, yes, I can be grateful for that. Yes, I am thankful for that. And it starts to come natural. It's a, just a natural progression from as you're starting to reflect through those moments. You know, uh, part of the, the challenge in doing that is that we also start to see things that we, we may have regretted. And so... You know, you have the, as we're looking back to be grateful, you may find things that you regret at the same time. And so that, that's a challenge in itself. And one of the ways I find to combat that is to give yourself a little bit of grace. Because, you know, there are disappointments. There are things that have made us be like, you know, I'm not where I thought, where I'd hoped to be. Or situation, circumstance may not have turned out the way, you know, I really wanted it to. But extend yourself some grace. Because you have come, as you said, you've come a far way when you actually look back beyond that event, circumstance, or experience, you have come a far way. And so as you do that, you're extending yourself some grace and you're adding peace to your life, right? Yeah, that it's, I love that you said that because I, yeah, I recently read this. I, I don't know where I saw it now and I may probably mess up the paraphrasing of it, but it was about that very thing about regrets that we may have and beating ourselves up about them. And it said, you know, it's not a life sentence. You're not meant to beat yourself up about these things forever. So reflect, learn from it, and then move on from it, correct? Right. You know, the, even nature itself tells, speaks to us about new beginnings. So it encourages the day comes, 
the day ends and a brand new one starts again. And so it's reminding us that, you know, you don't necessarily have to carry everything from your yesterday to your today. You can choose to take some things with you and some things to leave behind and something just to start fresh. You know, it's a refreshing rejuvenation for yourself. And so as we take cues from even nature saying to us, listen, there's a new day with new opportunities, new possibilities, new experiences that are awaiting you. And, you know, some of them that you've had in the past may not have been the greatest, but it's not, as you said, a life sentence. It's not the end all be all. You can, there is hope for you and you can experience something better, greater and different. I love that analogy, by the way, of nature, uh, you know, because I know winter is very hard for people too. Mm -hmm. And for me, I look at it as it's a rest period, just as it is for nature. Uh, it's a time to, you know, rest and relax, cocoon, go to bed early, <laughs> sleep in a little bit, you know, take care of yourself Absolutely. a little bit. Right. And you know that it does come to an end. Winter doesn't last forever. <laughs> for us, it lasts forever. And in nature, it shouldn't. There's a, there's a beginning and there's an end to it. And with every season, there comes a beginning and an end. And so if we take our cues from that, we learn that we need times of rest. We need times of rejuvenation. Yes, there are times where we're more active than other times. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we failed at something or we should be disappointed or look back and regret. It just means that use, maximize that time, that moment for what it is. Embrace it for what it is and move on and know that you can have better and more and begin again. The last one, I just, I spoke with uh, Denise uh, on the last interview where we were sort of talking about preparing right. ourselves for 2023. And, and I know that as people are listening to this, they, they understand that they should be preparing themselves mentally, but also we're kind of stuck in this chaotic season. Any recommendations you would give people right now who are trying to find the moments of calm amongst all the chaos? You know, one of the, we, you, we're speaking of gratitude, right? And being grateful for what we have and all these things. And I think one of the things we often tend to forget is self-gratitude. So looking at where we are, who we are, and taking some stock in that. And so as you do that, you're sort of distancing yourself a little bit from the chaos and then focusing a little bit on yourself as you're moving through this, this, this season, because it does take so much out of us. There's so much chaos, the bustling, the hustling, the running around and, you know, extending ourselves so much for others. And it's great. It's a time that we do that, but also it should be a time where we also sort of take care of ourselves. And so in doing that, slowing things down a little bit in the midst of everything and, and experiencing some of that for ourselves. This has just been, I think, the perfect ending to this year-long series with you. Um, Gratitude is so important. So I'm so grateful that this is what you decided to uh, focus on today. I guess I'm grateful for gratitude. Uh, so <laughs> Jennifer, I know that you're still running your 21 day challenge because people can jump in anytime. Don't wait till January. So where can they connect with you? They can connect on Facebook at the, the Sacred Space 21 day challenge. Um, also the sacred space on Facebook. If you go there, you'll find all of our, our connections, our links and whatnot, our social media pages, platforms, and jump in at any time. All right. Amazing. And you also have some great uh, blog posts over on what she said, talk.com. If people want to go get caught up uh, before the new year gets here, I want to just direct them to that. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Candice. It's been wonderful. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Feminism is more important than ever, but it only works when it's intersectional and brings in the voices of all women. Samantha Krishnapillay, founder of On Canada Project, aims to bridge information gaps on today's big issues by inviting people into critical conversations about the future of our country and the world. In our final interview of 2022, Samantha joins me to discuss intersectional feminism. Welcome back, Samantha. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. 
So let's define what intersectional feminism is first. Okay, so before we do that, let's talk about what feminism is. Feminism is the equality, uh, like economic equality, social uh, equality, political equality um, of all the genders. It's what we think of when we think of that Beyonce song. Like it's, that's what feminism means to us. It's this idea that there's equality at the end of this and uh, that it's well-deserved and necessary and that systems of oppressions are patriarchal in nature and have created a system in where women are marginalized. And now we're trying to, you know, undo that with these steps, but we still haven't achieved true gender equity. So I think that's like the very first thing to talk about. Intersectional feminism is understanding that understanding my experience with feminism and your experience with feminism is it's going to be different because I'm the like the first generation Canadian in my family. My parents are immigrants and refugees. I'm a person of color. My experience is different from you as a white woman in how you've had like your equal rights upheld or attempted to be upheld. It'll be different from what it has been for mine. And I think it's looking specifically at like the impact class, race, ability, and uh, like where you live, all these things intersect with our concept of feminism and how that inequality doesn't isn't equal you like you face systemic inequalities as a woman uh, but that's different from the systemic inequalities I'll face as a racialized woman so yeah it's just remembering that there are more layers to it than just like women don't have equal rights absolutely and and it means listening to other voices outside of your circle right and so and and not only that actively bringing them in uh, to mm-hmm. the conversation so that we can you know, obviously improve everybody's lives because that's what it's all about. If it's about equality, you have to listen to everybody. And that's really what Kimberly Crenshaw, who's like uh, credited with the with starting this term of intersexuality, was really trying to get to. But it was for a really long time, it was just a legal term. She's a lawyer and a human rights activist. Uh, but it's quickly been coming more and more into like, the non-legal spheres of mainstream, as more and more women understand the intersectionality that race and gender, socioeconomic status and gender play in their experience with feminism. So to be an intersectional feminism is to, feminist, sorry, to be an intersectional feminist is to center the experiences of marginalized voices so disabled women low-income women racialized women like immigrant women uh, women who don't speak english or french Uh, it's to center their experiences and ask ourselves how do we make these women's human rights be upheld because if their rights are upheld all of us are lifted with that and i think that's what we're still sort of missing in society is this recognition of like let's heal from the most marginalized And then we all benefit rather than just like doing the first layer of healing, if that makes sense, uh, or like the lowest hanging fruit. Like we're just doing that instead of reaching to the point where everybody will be supported and helped. I want to just go back and talk a little bit about because that, you know, that um, phrase centering voices, it's, it's being used a lot right now. We're talking about it, but what does it actually mean to center somebody's voice? How do we do that? Yeah, I think what I try to do when I have when I feel like there's been a systemic inequality that I've experienced, I think about like, okay, so I've experienced this and I'm frustrated. Uh, There are people who are experiencing it and and are much more significantly impacted than what I'm experiencing right now Uh, and understanding that those are the stories that need to be told. So if you're a white woman being interviewed or taking up space to talk about reproduction rights, right? Um, that's something that women care about, but is it a white woman's place to be talking about it when her experiences with it are not gonna be as significant as the way a low-income black woman uh, in a rural city is gonna be experiencing access uh, or lack of access to reproductive services. So it's it's sharing that platform and like not just putting white women as like the storytellers of the feminist movement because they can't it's they can't be the only people who speak for everyone when they don't know what those experiences are like. I think it's also diversifying your, you know, your news feed, your 
social media feed, your your bookshelf. Uh, it's putting in stories and narratives that are written by um, people who aren't white feminists, but uh, are black feminists, disabled feminists, uh, like immigrant feminists, telling those stories uh, and learning about it and centering their voices in your head when you're doing the work as well is part of it. Um, but it's also how we should center those experiences and policy decisions uh, and legislation in the in our workplaces to create the change we know will have the most impact for everybody. This is such a huge uh, topic. There's no way we will get to it all in this short, short interview. So I encourage people to go follow you at On Canada Project. Keep up with all that you're doing. And we're going to have you back in the new year because there's just so much more we need to get to. So, Samantha, I can't thank you enough for joining me this year on all of these discussions we've had. I encourage people to go back and look through uh, what she said's Instagram feed to find those interviews. And please keep up with Samantha. Samantha, thank you for joining me. Joining me for the second last show of the year is Anne Brody, and we have leading off today's Saturday Night at the Movies with a big announcement. What's that, Anne? Yes, indeed. Harry and Meghan, it's out after months of guessing of release date, Netflix has dropped it. So I don't know how you feel about I think actually you and I feel the same about it. Uh, Tempest in a teapot. I'm a little like I'm. I'm sort of over this story of them. I, I really it doesn't draw me in, so I don't get the fascination. But apparently, Netflix is banking on this being a hit. Yeah, it'll be totally self serving. Um, it's all about the tears and oh, I'm so sorry for myself. When they brought on everything that's happened to them, it's just astounding egotism to me. Um, but I'll get deeper into the series and, uh, you know, maybe soften, but I doubt it. Well, you've been in this game long enough, Anne. I'm sure you know. Um, all right, let's get to the stuff, though, that you, because you haven't even seen this, uh, Harry and Meghan. Nobody got to get a preview. So um, let's move on to the stuff you did get to preview. So tell me about Pinocchio. Yes. Guillermo del Toro, who actually lives in Toronto, the Mexican filmmaker, renowned filmmaker, um, he's rejigged Pinocchio. Now, he has young children, um, and it certainly has his, his dark touch, dark and outrageous, you know, twisting the traditions uh, aspect to it. Um, but still, I wonder how many adaptations of Pinocchio do we need? Uh, this is miles apart from the Disney creation of like decades ago. Um, Geppetto uh, builds a puppet, um, Pinocchio, as a replacement, as a doll, as a fetish for his son who's been killed in World War I. So it begins at a dark place. He takes them to church. Um, they're horrified. He's, he's kicked out. And they begin to live very lonely lives. People are horrified by this wooden child. However, a carnival barker sees that there's tremendous commercial potential in him. So he more or less enslaves him at the carnival. And Geppetto has to rescue him time and time again. And the, a recurring theme in this, which surprises me because it's a children's film, is that you're going to die over and over and over again. I mean, what? That, that seems a little it's, dark. It's astonishing to me. It's a little dark, but it's Guillermo del Toro. A, a great, great voice cast. Ewan McGregor, Tilda Swinton, Kate Blanchett, uh, Wolf, uh, Finn Wolfhard, who is very uh, hot young actor, and Christopher Waltz. So it's, it's a big project from Netflix. And, um, you know, it's a different take on an ancient, which probably reflects our times more. Okay. I see you have Olivia Coleman in the next one. And I got to say, like, I go through these periods where I obsess about certain actresses. And Olivia Coleman right yeah. now is like the center of it all for me. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, I went through that with uh, Broadchurch. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. She's such a talented actor. 
So she plays, um, it's a pretty downbeat role in Empire of Light. She plays a manager at a uh, local theater on the southern coast of England. And it's this fantastic uh, modern art deco theater, quite ancient. Um, and it's the eve of the premiere that they're having there for Chariots of Fire. And among their guests are going to be Laurence Olivier, Dusty Springfield, and Paul McCartney. So there's great tension. Um, and at the same time, she's beginning an affair with a beautiful young guy. Uh, and, you know, their, their co-workers seem to know about it, but they don't mind. It's a very tight-knit little group, and they all care about one another. And that's the beauty of this story, is community. But she has serious mental problems, so we follow her through her various dramatic uh, turns and lessons. And, um, oh, and Colin Firth plays her boss, who's been sexually abusing her for years. So that's weird. Uh, anyway, it's from Sam Mendes, who's a renowned filmmaker. Um, and I just want to shout out to young Michael Ward, who plays her, her young lover. He's tremendous, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a nomination. Uh, but, of course, Coleman is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, she is. She's wonderful. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, but and I know you want to talk about all the beauty and the bloodshed. So tell me about this one. Yeah, this is a tremendous documentary on um, a photographer named Nan Golden, who uh, grew up in a very troubled household and a wealthy troubled household uh, outside Boston. And her sister committed suicide at a very young age and her mother was later diagnosed with uh, mental illness. So she totally went against her upbringing, ran off to New York and led a, a really outre life back in the 70s and disco era and 80s, um, you know, on board with LGBTQ community when, when that hadn't really manifested into a, a group or a movement. Um, and it was all about the drag queens and the art and the presentation of oneself. Um, and it's, it's really good. But her, her cause now is anti-opioids. She was addicted, and so many people are. Apparently 400,000 people have died of opioid poisoning in the States. So she and her action group, Pain, staged die-ins to point attention at the Sackler family who owns Purdue. And they've had some luck. So it's really cool to see. So there's this lifestyle she leads and this cause that she's actually had some sort of influence over. And it's quite brilliant to look at. It's, it's really lovely. And her photography is outstanding. So All the Beauty and the Bloodshed's a winner. All right. Amazing. So you've got all of these and more over on whatshesaidtalk.com. And you'll be back next week for our last show of the year, Anne. And then we're going to take a nice little break. Yeah, that's for sure. Good. Well, we'll see you next week then. All right. Thanks, Ian. The cold never bothered me anyway. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. We all know by now that winter tires are an absolute must for our Canadian winters. So this year, CalTire is jumping in with another important message too many Canadians have not been paying attention to, myself included, your tire pressure. Tiffany Woodley, manager of CalTire in Waterloo, joins me now to discuss. Welcome back to the show, Tiffany. Thanks for having me again. This is becoming a lovely annual tradition, <laughs> seeing you and catching up every year. Uh, I do want to jump into the tire pressure because it really was something I had not thought about. So why is it so important in the winter to pay attention to it? In the winter, it's especially important to pay attention to your tire pressure because we see so many of these large temperature swings throughout. We go from this year, we went from 20 degrees and wearing shorts down to a snowstorm. And when you see those large drops in temperature, that can affect the tire pressure in your vehicle. The way it was explained to me was, you know, your your tire, the air in your tire decreases. 
yeah. because of the cold, right? It's like it's sucking it in because it's so freezing out. <laughs> yeah, so the air is getting denser, essentially. So for every about five degrees that the temperature drops, you're going to lose about one PSI in your tire. Okay, so that, I mean, this all makes sense, but what does it actually mean in terms of safety when driving on your tires? So a properly inflated tire is going to better support the weight of your vehicle, less likely to cause any damage in a pothole or rubbing up against a curb, any bumps in the road. You are going to get better fuel economy out of that tire. It's going to extend the life of your tire tread. And a lot of tires can look fine because we all have these fancy skinny sidewalls and low profiles to our tires now. And those are really hard to determine if the tire pressure is low or not. So let's talk about PSI then, because I think, you know, a lot of people, again, myself included, I really don't know how to read my tire pressure. I don't know what any of it means when you talk about PSI or how to even properly measure it. So let's get into that. We'll start with PSI and then how to uh, find out if your tire pressure is uh, the right pressure for your tire. Absolutely. So PSI stands for uh, pounds per square inch, and that's measuring how much pressure is inside your tire. So in order to find the tire pressure for your vehicle, you can do something as simple as opening up your driver's side door, and there's a white and yellow placard there that lets you know the pressure for the front tires and the rear tires of your vehicle, as well as your spare tire, and that's a tire that we forget about a lot. So we want to make sure that that tire is always sitting at that pressure that that sticker says on your door. And anything under about 80% of the inflation can start, you can start to see a reduction in traction. You can start to have damage caused to the inside of your tires. And often that's not visible through your walk around inspection before getting into your car. How often do we need to check our tire pressure? Is there sort of a recommended guideline for how often we should be checking it? Yeah, it's never a bad idea that when you're walking up to your car, you just take a look at your tires before you get in and drive away especially if your vehicle doesn't have TPMS. But at least once a month, stop into your local tire shop for a tire pressure check. At CalTire, we do them free of charge. We will check and adjust your pressures for you. Good idea just looking at that about once a month. And free of charge is, you know, music to everybody's ears right now with the cost of things. So free air is, is excellent. We're in. Um, but if we want to check it ourselves at home then, what do we need and, and, um, and how do we use that little gizmo? <laughs> So that's called your pressure gauge. So what you would do for that is you would push it all the way down to the bottom. You would take the cap of your valve stem off and you're going to just apply it, apply pressure to the tip of the valve stem until that top pops out. And then when that top pops out, you're going to read the bottom line and that's what your tire pressure is sitting at. All right. So we've talked about how temperatures uh, can affect it. What about elevation? Like if I go skiing this winter, does that adjust the pressure in my tires as well? Absolutely. So changes in elevation can do it. Uh, even just your tires sitting in your garage before you, if you do your swaps yourself, tires are permeable and they can lose up to two pounds of pressure per month just sitting there doing nothing. Okay. And you mentioned something you said TPMS. What is that? So TPMS is your tire pressure monitoring system. There are most vehicles now that are being purchased are coming equipped with them. And that's a safety feature that allows the driver to have a better indication on if their tires have proper inflation or not. Uh, so you have two types in vehicles. You can have direct, which will tell you the exact tire pressure that's in all of your tires, or you have indirect, which just gives you, which bases it off tire rotations and lets you know if they're all within the proper spec for that vehicle. So I'm curious, just because we were talking about sort of these wild swings in temperatures, if I put air in my tire when it's very, very cold, but then it swings and gets much warmer, is it possible that I could have put too much air in my tire? Absolutely. And that's where those monthly tire pressure checks come in. So when the weather starts to maintain, then you're okay with kind of letting it sit, checking it month to month. But when you don't also want to run a tire that's overinflated, because when a tire's overinflated, you'll actually, it will curve up. And then you don't have enough, enough tread touching the ground, reduces traction, fuel economy, and causes your tire to wear faster. 
So this is a whole new layer of car care. I honestly have to tell you, I had never thought about <laughs> is checking my tire pressure. So um, I'm going to run out and grab a gauge. I would encourage everybody else to do the same, but if you don't want to do that, you can stop by Caltire at any time, right? You have a, it's a free check and do you need an appointment? You just stop in. No appointment needed. You stop in, we'll check your pressure for you. We also do a good health check of your tires while we're down there adjusting the pressure anyways. If we notice anything that looks off with them, we will let you know. Um, so it's a good idea just to come in for that pressure check, make sure that they're sitting properly. You're getting the most out of your tires, the most out of your fuel economy and your traction for winter driving. And I feel, you know, I said we weren't gonna talk about winter tires or, you know, all weather or all season tires, but I think it's good, but maybe we could just pull in a little bit of a recap on that as well. So um, can you just remind everybody what the difference is between those three tires, please? Yeah, absolutely. So at Cal Tire, we call all season tires actually three season tires. They're a tire that has not been tested or approved for winter driving. That compound under seven degrees is going to start to get cold, going to start to freeze. And we've used this analogy before because we're Canadian. It's going to turn into a little bit of a hockey puck. And those are meant to slide on ice, not grip it. So another option that's in between is that all-weather tire. So this is a tire that's good for year-round use. It's passed all of the testing that a winter tire does. It's received the uh, three-peak mountain snowflake, which is the severe service emblem for winter use. And then if you're somebody that does go up into those mountains and skiing or commutes and needs that dedicated winter tire, then you have that winter tire that will outperform under seven degrees and better traction, stay soft in those extreme colds, flexible to grip the ground and give you that, that traction that's really needed in slush, ice and snow that we see here in Ontario. Okay. I have one last question, actually, because it was brought up to me. Somebody's always got to slide into your comments when you post something. So I posted something the other day about my tires and somebody said I should get my winter tires put on rims because if changing the rims out every season is hard on your tire. Is that true? It's, it can be. It, it's an extra stress on the tire as well as it can be harder on your pocket too. Uh, those winter tire changeovers are usually run about $100 more than a regular swap. And for most vehicles, if you're just putting a steel wheel on, it can actually pay itself off in about two years and then you're saving money. That is really good information to know. I did not know that. So thank you for clearing that up for me. Tiffany, I can't thank you enough for joining me. So just as a recap, check the air in your tires, ladies. Get your winter tires on and... Get rims on your tires, both sets. So thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. What if this holiday season you didn't stress about indulging in the cookies, the chocolates, or the heavy drinks? What if you didn't count a single calorie and simply enjoyed everything the season has to offer without carrying extra weight into the new year? My next guests not only think you can, they know you can. Jose and Alicia has taken the internet by storm with their authentic approach to life. The dynamic duo has been helping women across the world for the past 11 years and are on a mission to give women their power back. They are disrupting the diet industry with their unique approach to weight loss. And join me now to discuss why you can have your gingerbread and eat it too. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much for having us, Candice. Oh my gosh, what an amazing introduction. Yes, that is us. Yes, yes. Well, I, you know, I think when most people think of weight loss programs, diets, uh, they're immediately hit with a feeling of instant deprivation and dread. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we'd even call it anxiety, almost like an anxiety of like, what is this going to be like? And we, we all go back to like past experiences and almost our baggage. And then we get that anxiety of like, ugh, this is going to suck. Yeah, and I think of the holidays, we almost rob from our own joy. When we dread these things and the things that make the season Absolutely. so enjoyable, we're, we're, we're ruining it ourselves. So I know you, you ladies have amazing tips uh, for people. So maybe we could just share a few with listeners today. Absolutely. And the last thing we want you guys doing is going to your holiday event concerned about how many calories are in anything 
And just having that anxiety moment uh, around food, we want you to be present and enjoy the actual experience. And it's important that people understand that they can enjoy, they can coexist their goals and the holidays and that they're, they do not have to sacrifice their happiness for whatever goals they have. Um, especially if, let's say, someone has already started maybe a weight loss journey, it can be kind of nerve-wracking getting into that. You maybe it's their first holiday season with their new weight loss or even just having goals in mind. So just people need to know that it is possible to coexist your goals with the holidays and your happiness as well. 100%. And I think maybe the most important thing for you guys going into the holiday season is really understanding that there's no such thing as bad food. Yeah. There is nothing that you cannot eat. You can eat the peanut butter balls. You can eat the stuffing. You can eat the pie. So really, that is step one, is not looking at these foods as if they are evil. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there is nothing bad about your grandmother's cheesecake. Like, let's stop that language. Like, this is bad for me. This is fattening. This is all th that language really affects your anxiety level, and also your relationship with food. So please, please recognize that how you speak around food is a mat. It's the first step, you guys. So no more labeling food as good or bad. No more telling yourself that you cannot have that, that you're going to finish it all today so there's no more in the house. All of that is damaging the way that you speak about food. So now that we've got that off the table, there's yeah. no such thing as bad food. Check. Yeah. The next approach or the next strategy um, would be portions. Portions is really what will matter most during the holidays, not the cheesecake, not what you're actually consuming, just, just portions in general. You're not measuring anything, but I do believe that people need to realize that portions do make a big difference at the end of the day on um, their weight gain and also their weight loss. But we're mostly trying to not gain a bunch of weight, feel sick, and there's no reason for us to feel sick either. And most of the time, when we get to that point where we feel sick, it's because we labeled that food as bad and then that guilt kicks in and then might as well finish the bag. And so we really need to, we're, we're all about the language and the, the, the way we speak around food really creates an impact. I always go back to peanut butter balls because that, that is my go-to mm. thing. And sometimes when we're thinking about food from such an emotional perspective, we just think, okay, I'm going, I'm off my diet. It's my cheat I'm off day. track. Yeah. I'm off track. Yeah. Might as well eat 10. That's emotions. But when we think about rationally, is there a difference between two peanut butter balls and 10? There really is. Yeah. And once you have that relationship with food where you feel comfortable enjoying whatever, you can sit, enjoy that mindfully, enjoy that without guilt, enjoy that without drama. And then the next day you eat two more. I love that you mentioned about being mindful. Because I think for me, that was a huge thing. Like, I, one of the best things I ever realized was that I get the dopamine hit from maybe the first bite or the second bite, but then it actually loses its luster. And so I don't really want it anymore. So it's pausing and slowing down and recognizing that rather than plowing through and eating the whole bag of chips. You know, it's usually just the one or two that does the trick. Absolutely agree. And that's exactly where I was going with this was the abundance mindset, having access, you have access to whatever you want, girl. So you can, knowing that you can have everything that you want actually allows you to be more mindful because you have that flexibility, you have that opportunity. Um, and so I, I do feel like that is a big part of it as well. Years of dieting has made us feel like scarcity mindset around food especially in the holidays, because I bet you guys are listening, you're already thinking about how you're going to deprive yourself in January to lose weight. So going in with that thought, you're like, I'm going to eat all the things right mm. now because I'm going to be hungry come January. And that cycle is not serving you. So that's part of the relationship with food is working on the abundance mindset. I can have this today. I can have this tomorrow. And really working on that, you'll see yourself being able to be around food without taking it taking over your life you you ladies are absolutely incredible I mean we just don't have enough time on today's show to get to it all so but I do have a treat for all the women listening because I know you are preaching to the choir here we have a longer podcast so I encourage everybody to go over to what she said talk with Candace Sampson to listen to the full podcast coming up with Jose and Alicia from your way weight loss. Ladies, thank you so much. Um, these tips were incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Baby,
you feeling? More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. One thing I wish Last Christmas Wish I'd known it was gonna be I don't know what it's like in your home, but in my house, the Christmas music starts playing nonstop December 1st. That means I'm always looking for new songs to add to my playlist, and I'd love to introduce you to the artist behind my latest edition. Alicia Eichel was told she would never sing again after complications with throat surgery to remove a tumor on her thyroid gland, but illustrated true resilience and fought all the odds for a miraculous recovery. Her perseverance, combined with an intense love for music, is what fuels Alicia's passion as an artist, and she joins me today to discuss her Christmas song that's sure to become a classic in your house, One Wish. Welcome to What She Said, Alicia. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I was listening to this song all weekend. I had a road trip, so it played many times in the car on the way. Uh, I'd love to hear what inspired you to write it. Thank you. Thanks so much for playing One Wish. Well, this song comes from a very honest and heartfelt place. Um, It came from, um, well, both a breakup (laughs) and also um, my French bulldog Hank passing away. And so just, you know, losing, losing those loved ones at Christmas time, whether it's, you know, someone passing away or someone who's just no longer in your life. And just feeling, you know, those feelings at Christmas time of um, thinking back on memories and fond memories. And sometimes Christmas brings up those emotions. Um, so One Wish is a very special song to me. Absolutely. I think we, you know, we forget a lot that people are hurting through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking back on, you know, who may not be with them this year or who they may have lost along the way. So I think this is a really powerful song. Um, I also watched the video, though, today when I got back. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the video, I was honored to work with Sorrento Custom Homes here in Red Deer, Alberta and Randy Rich Films. And we shot the One Wish music video in their show home. And it was just an amazing experience to do. Um, They used it as promo and and I was able to use it as my official video. And we had a couple of actors in it. We chose to go more the love love story route than, um, you know, having the dog in there and making it really sad. (laughs) So we didn't have um, a dog in there. And I do have another French bulldog now named Cash. But we decided, you know, we'll just keep it to actors, to people. And it was a lot of fun. You can check it out on YouTube. And uh, it's uh, it turned out really, really well. I'm chuckling a little bit that you said it would be sadder if you'd put the dog in than the person. So because I feel that. <laughs> because it shows this like happy couple and, you know, and you don't really get the sense that they've broken up in the video. It's just, you know, them spending Christmas together. And um, but I, I'm like, man, if there was a dog in there and it's implying that the dog's no longer there, <laughs> that to me is just. That's that's too far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alicia, you've been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want We're going to play the song next, but before we do, I want people to be able to find you and listen to more of your songs because Christmas is not all you do, obviously. You have a whole bunch of other songs to share. So where can they find you? Absolutely. They can find my music on uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and Amazon. And um, connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I always tell people, reach out. I love to connect. All right. Incredible. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region. The snow is falling, lights are twinkling, people laughing and Christmas time, make a list and check it twice and send to Santa's Christmas time, but I don't have a list, there's just one thing I wish.
mistletoe close All the pretty lights at Christmas time Wrapped up in your arms Beside the fireplace We hung our stockings at Christmas time Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.